hello, hello, bienvenue à tous, j'espère que vous allez tout bien. Welcome back to another episode, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I apologize, I've recently discovered a, a, a channel on, um, well, I, I found it on uh, the YouTube shorts, but I, it, it's apparently everywhere. Uh, a comedy channel, why, why, why French uh, is, is ridiculous. And this guy's got these, these characters on there. Uh, universal language French English and Spanish uh, because of that that's all the languages that this guy speaks and uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny it's really funny you should look you should look at it just if you're if you're into those kind of little comedic shorts that's a side note that's something that I was up to and uh, that's something that I was up to earlier but welcome back I hope you're all keeping safe and well I hope you're all keeping busy and reading and exercising and eating well and learning and working. <laughs> it's been a long work week, I'm sorry. Uh, Adam's actually on holiday at the minute, so you've just got a very tired, very spaced out me. <laughs> That's all you've got to put up with today, so I apologise. Um, but I thought I'd continue the merch train again. <laughs> These ones aren't available to the uh, to the masses. This is from Hero School. But I uh, I, I chose this over my Deadpool shirt um, because it, it felt the, it felt the most appropriate. It felt the most applicable uh, towards that. So what's going on? There's no there's no interaction. It's not live at the moment. It's a rare treat. <laughs> I'm actually just sat in a room talking to myself. I hope this actually ends up being turned into a podcast because otherwise I am now legitimately just losing my marbles. <laughs> Insert that little cutaway of John Lovitz in The Wedding Singer. He's losing his mind and I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> Told you. I've got a pop culture reference for everything, but they tend to come out in, in wackier, more colourful detail um, when I am exhausted. And I am exhausted. <laughs> it's been at least uh, I don't know, like over a, over a thirty hour day, something like that. But there we are. Hence, hence the uh, the the sleep debt that I keep in my forehead. <laughs> you see it? What? Look at that. No time for REM to rest and replenish the skin cells in my forehead. Let's just keep going. Go. Just chew the ice on that one. Bit of ASMR for you all. So on today's agenda, I thought we'd continue the discussions about the communicable levels of information that come from everywhere, right? We looked at it a little bit in turn last time when we uh, when we went through the, the, the kind of positional influence that affects the way that people interact with other people based on their own opinions and the like. But that just does, that doesn't just stop at people. That is something that keeps going everywhere, right? If you've ever walked into a, a house or a building or an office and thought, this is a mess, there should be somebody there, like a little birdie on your shoulder, on your shoulder asking you if this actually is a mess or whether it just doesn't conform to your standards of where things should go. 
Now, the obvious messes in terms of spillages on countertops, rubbish on the floor, dirty laundry, I don't know, non-dusted tabletops, whatever conventional lack of cleanliness you want to throw at it, those will be the obvious ones. But when you're looking at um, when you're looking at things like a uh, a, a cutlery a cutlery pot standing up. Still separated into knives, forks, teaspoons, tablespoons, as per the norm, versus the normal cutlery drawer that's lying down flat with the same separations for somebody to walk into a kitchen and go, that looks a mess. Right? This is the type of conflation of detail that can, nine times out of ten, it doesn't expand further than that, but it can harm the way that you're viewing the rest of the information because you're already too invested in your own personal circumstances, in your own personal viewpoints and the like. Just because you wouldn't put the cutlery in that stand-up cutlery drawer doesn't mean this person doesn't believe that to be clean, doesn't believe that to be tidy, right? It might just look different to how you view it. And initially on the surface, this sounds like some kind of allegorical talk uh, regarding uh, interactions in the 21st century, right? But it's not, I'm, I'm keeping it purely towards deduction and the like. So invariably, what I like to do is think about particular locations in terms of the basics of what they could communicate to me, the basics. And to do that, you would need to think about what happens within that room. What's a living room going to communicate to you? A lounge, uh, a sitting room, depending upon what you call it, no matter, no matter where you are in the world. Where your TV is, where you normally hang out with the family. Or if you've got an English family, where you, <laughs> where you walk through to, uh, to go to your own room and sit in silence by yourself. <laughs> right? In your, in your living room, what are the basics of what goes on in there? Well, there's an, inter an interactive quality. So there's footfall. There's an idea for how many people exist within this house. There's an idea for how many pets exist within this house. There's an idea for how much action and activity, i.e., is there a TV, a hi-fi, musical instruments, uh, a, a vinyl player, uh, you know, uh, these, these types of things. Is, is there a games console that's sat in the corner as well? Because all of these are uniquely communicable details towards the specific environment that that is. A games console in the middle of a living room is very different to a games console in a in a bedroom or in a or in a man cave, or words to that effect. Right. So when you're looking at each area, you can start to think of it in terms of well, I need to I need to know a little bit more about the people, or I need to know a little bit more about why I'm here, where I'm here, what am I doing? Right. If you can ascertain what kind of a room this is, then you're already dealing with the basics. Yeah, if you go into your local coffee shop and you expect to see people queuing, you expect to see food being sold, coffee being sold, tea being sold, free Wi-Fi, low chairs but comfortable chairs uh, uh, and the like, and the occasional hipster wandering by, that's what you expect from your local coffee shop. Now, there'll be a number of those elements that transfer towards all coffee shops because that's what a coffee shop is built on. Right? If you look at the arrangement for a supermarket, it differs, it differs from chain to chain to chain, 
but invariably they fall along similar layouts in terms of where they lay specific stock, right? Near the front door there'll be things like uh, offers, new items and the like, and then it'll be either things like uh, fridges, sandwiches, or, or, or magazines, uh, and then you'll move into fruit and veg. Sometimes these two are interchangeable before you get into the main aisles. Now, nine times out of 10, the fridge items comes first, and this is what you expect from supermarkets in that way, right? There are communicable frameworks that exist from living room, from bedroom, from kitchen to office storeroom to janitor's closet to everyday vehicle of an f1 driver right these these are the types of things that you can start to think about when you haven't the opportunity to go and visit them when you haven't the opportunity to go and train them this is when your research your ideas your expansion of knowledge can come into come into work and come into action uh, in that way and build yourself a springboard with which to leap from. Now, does that mean that you would need to check off every single ideal? No. Because as I've said, probably eight billion and five times, this isn't a hard science. We're dealing with softer uh, elements towards the, the scientific method. There is a malleability towards it that allows us to come towards the information that others can't uh, in, in that way, right? So. If it is that you're dealing with a, a a living room, because that's what I'm in now, right? And you've got the 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 interactivity, the 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 sofas, the 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 TV, the electricals, the amount of lighting, the available lighting from the windows, the style, whether it's uh, you know it falls part falls part of a of a color scheme, or there's similar artwork on the walls, or both, the amount of bookshelves uh, and book space, is there a DVD stack? These types of qualities you will usually find in most, if not all, living rooms. Now, you enter a living room, and let's say, for example, let's pick a really weird one. Um, it doesn't have any windows. <laughs> to, to this day, I've never, come, I've never come across a living room that doesn't have a window. But that's not to say that there isn't one. I've not been to every house on the planet, right? So you need to account for that. So in your viewing of this living room, when it comes to window space and you are actively looking for windows with which to have some information about, just because there isn't any windows doesn't mean that you ignore that, <laughs> right? There aren't any windows. So is there an overcompensation of light? Is there uh, any any other elements that are bringing heat and or cold uh, into the room? Because I would imagine in a windowless room, no matter if there are a lot of people in there, if different kind of seasons outside, it would have an effect on the kind of temperature that goes on within that room because things can't vent or things can't be uh, things can't be warmed up. Right. So in either way, this type of framework would help you to see these different kinds of things that you're looking at on a, on a daily basis. Now this can be anywhere, right? This can be anywhere. If you take something like a bus queue, seriously, a bus queue, what do you expect goes on at the bus stand, right? What do they have 
on the on the on the, the the sides the walls they're not really walls but they're not really advertisements but what do they have there very often it's a schedule very often it's a map very often it's a it's a timetable some kind of combination of uh, of all three there is an advertisement of sorts usually it's for if it's for some type of council run endeavor some type of um some type of health scare that's going around or visit your local doctors for this or vote for this politician this and then there is room for on average underneath the actual shelter itself there is room for an, on average around five or six people right uh, given the, the the kind of fondness that some people have for uh, for maintaining social distancing at this time, or uh, even before then, right? When strangers would get too close to you, that would still be weird. You wouldn't think they were going to kill you with uh, disease transference, but it would still be weird in that way. So there was that maintained edge. So this is why I'm saying five to six people there or thereabouts. So when you go to a bus stand and you see one person there, not leaning on the they're not quite seats are they uh, particularly for the uk there are seats in the other areas uh, throughout the world but uh, for the for the uk ones they are they're more leaning posts so there is one person choosing not to lean but stand under the shelf the, the shelf the cover the roof uh, uh, whatever you want to call it right they're specifically not looking at the timetable they're looking at the road so we've got one person standing on there who's expecting their bus to come quickly because they're not checking the available time frame. They're not sitting down with which to take any particular load off in that particular way. And yes, there are variables. Of course there are, right? I'm citing hypotheticals to help you understand that these types of frameworks can be used in that way. What would you expect from conversing with, uh, as, as it is socially known as, the Jim Fuckboy? Right? What would you expect from conversing with them? These are the guys that have their 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 backwards snapbacks on, those vests that have their nipples out and the like. They're usually applying some some kind of suntan lotion in the middle, and when they're lifting, they're lifting in mirrors. There's there's at least one for every for every gym that's in there. What would you expect from conversing with those people? Right? And this is in no way trying to pigeonhole individuals. You are looking at the framework of an experience that has led to somebody doing that. This, is, this goes back to one of the ideas that Mick Wilson touched on uh, during his lecture, uh, Stereotypes Exist for a Reason. Right? No one's pigeonholing the, 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 the Jim Fuckboy because you know there, there are a plethora uh, of reasons as to why somebody might be applying suntan lotion in the middle of a gym or working out whilst vehemently staring in a mirror <laughs> right which is tantamount to masturbation uh, in my opinion but you know it's it's different it's different for others it's different for others which is no judgment but that's that's me putting my own viewpoint in there so if i put that in there that is going to harm the way I view this person in the type of framework. So you'd be looking at an overcorrected element of body confidence, whether that be legitimate or not, whether it comes from a place of legitimate comfort or not, because you will find that those people that are body confident don't really give a monkeys about showing that off. But you will also find those people who are 
stricken with virtual dysmorphia in this way that will overcorrect and wear those types of shirts as a way to keep themselves focused, as a way to keep themselves active so they can hit their goals and ultimately feel better, right? There is a whole spectrum along that. They, these are the types of frameworks that exist within everything, right? So when you think about it, what is the type of framework you can get from a bookcase. Now there's at least two of you out there going, books, <laughs> right? But let, let's, let's go a little bit further than that. Because it, it's, it's a bookcase, it's a shelving unit, word arose by any other name, right? So yes, you can put books on it, but you can also put other things on it as well. What types of other things do you normally put on a bookshelf? Is the normal things that you put on a bookshelf more of a matter of convenience? Because its primary use is for books, so the other elements that go on there are, 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 are surplus to requirements, right? We don't really need them that often yeah, in that way. And then when you look at the books, how are they stored? Is there any sign of uh, a, 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 a system that's in play? Whether that be genre, author, alphabetical author, combining the two, alphabetical order and author, uh, uh, color, size, all of the above in terms of combination, just how anally retentive is this person about that? Does a person stack their books like this? atop the other one, in front of others? Do they have so many books that one of the shelves broke? <laughs> Underneath. <laughs> and has led to, I think I can show you. This type of affair. <laughs> right? So is there that much stuff on top of the on top of the the, the moderately thin shelf uh, that's 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 made the unit itself give way? What kind of information does that tell us, right? So look at this when I when I tell you some of some of my books that are here. So we've got the uh, uh, the the German textbook, we've got the Chinese course, we've got books on uh, on the forensic psychology, forensic science. Um, we've got books on uh, filmmaking, pickpocketing. Um, we've got a ton of books on Sherlock. We've got books on mentalism. We've got puzzles. We've got uh, uh, card tricks. We've got books on uh, medicine, the anatomy, uh, diagnostic disease, uh, lie detection, Jackie Chan, um, film coverages so we got things like uh, train spotting the ring fight club um and then we've got a lot of books that say theater drama plays playwrights um trivia comics uh psychotherapy uh family psychology what else uh, i think that kind of covers it Oh, memory techniques. Right? That's a lot of stuff. So now, 
when you look at this and you look at this objectively, that's going to be very hard for me to kind of second guess the own way that I've put this on, but I'll try and describe it all the same, right? So when you look at this, there is no discernible system in terms of there are, there are law degree books, there are, uh, the, well, just in this stack here, there are uh, people reading books, Darren Brown books, uh, whiskey connoisseur books, puzzle books, uh, psychology, mentalism, law, and law degree books, and uh, I suppose you'd call it um, art appreciation more so than anything. Just in this one little bit, and that same kind of mixture goes everywhere. So if we pick a, I don't know, what can you see? So you can see, let's go here. You can see, you can see this. So here we've got um, psychracy volumes. You've got uh, theory in the theater. Uh, the the Anton Chekhov card tricks, uh, counseling texts, uh, Sherlock books. Uh, people reading books, Edgar Allan Poe, memory books, uh, uh, human analysis books, graphology analysis books, and uh, body language books, just again in this little bit. So we've examined two sections at random, and that type of lack of system, almost, coalesces right the way through. It is, it is something that runs throughout the course of uh, uh, of of the uh, of the bookshelf itself so when we look at this we can say one of two things there is no system or there is a system that we don't comfortably know right there those are the things that are in play but so what we can know is about the interests of the person or people within the house right because at this stage, there's nothing that communicates a number of people. As in, one person owns all, all of these books, or more than one person owns all of these books. Just as an FYI, I own all of these books. <laughs> and all of those books, and all of those books, and every, every one of the other books that are upstairs. Um, but, right, so what, what can we do from there? We can start to look at what books are within easy reach, are within easy reach of what's accessible here. So we look at what's around. There's a there's a great big table in the way and a seat. So what's within easy reach? So everything up to this shelf is within easy reach. Everything higher is not. Right? And I grant you there is an ambiguity when it comes to ease, because it's not like I find it difficult to stand up, okay? But if I want books for quick use or items for within quick use, they have to be within quick reach, right? That's the way the convenience of the 21st century works. So if we look at these items that are within the most immediate reach here, there are Sherlock books, psychology books, language books and people reading books now if that doesn't tell you about my day-to-day -day, i don't know what does i don't know what does right because when you get higher 
There is there is more there is more uh, fiction stories with the Sherlock books. These Sherlock books are historical references and the studies that have been done off the back in terms of leg legitimate psychological practices, legitimate forensic psychology practices, legitimate forensic scientific practices. There are some people that have looked into this area ever since Edmund Locard in the uh, in the early 1900s and the like. But as we get further away from this area, it starts to become more and more varied. So we've got we've got more fiction in this one because we've got the we've got the BBC uh, uh, repressings of the uh, of the original canon. We've got the psychosis stuff, which is mentalism uh, in, in this way. We've got my my hypnosis textbooks. Uh, believe it or not, I am actually a qualified hypnotherapist. I don't talk about it a great deal um, because it's not something I focus on as, as part of my work. We've got my uh, my blackjack and my poker uh, poker study courses and the like. Not something I should talk about in the public domain either, <laughs> but you know they're there. Um, and then and then it goes into uh, the, the the medical textbooks, the theatre, uh, the memory textbooks up here because I'm coming to the end of my medical degree uh, now as well. So we can start to base that kind of system around the framework that's connected to it. For something to be on a shelf, it, it has to be taken off the shelf. Why would things be taken off the shelf? We could get into looking at things like uh, dust cleaning, maintenance, because after all, dust, Mrs. Hudson, is eloquent. I wasn't trying to do a Benedict Cumberbatch impression, I was more just doing the scene. I wrote a, 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 a little monograph on that on my Tumblr account years ago. I shall have to, uh, I shall have to find it and link it, uh, and link it into the biography. Uh, the biography. Who full names something that's attached to it? That's how tired I am. Who full names that? It's always Lincoln Bio, isn't it? That's the vernacular nowadays. <laughs> Lincoln Biography, darling. You want to see me in Lego? Focus. I mean, I don't quite have a pencil beard, but it was the only Lego face with a beard. I work with it. It's a little, a little beardy policeman. Right, and this is how we can start to utilise this aspect. So let's look. There are there are dust liners on the shelf in terms of which books have been accessed and which books have been put back, but we're not going to go over each individual aspect because it's not about a treatise of reading my bookshelf. It's more about a treatise of how you could read something like this in the household because we have an understanding of its basic framework, of its basic uses. What other items does it collect? So I've got some coins on there. I've got some Rubik's Cubes on there. I've got some old uh, uh, gimbals for filming uh, that I used to use. This was a while ago now this is just dead as a doornail this should probably go in the bin to be fair um oh god which way around does that go there you go that noise should probably tell you a little bit something else uh, uh, about this about this uh, uh the work side in terms of that being a filing cabinet um but we've got my wax deal we've got sherlock puzzles we've got uh stacks of playing cards uh, uh and the like uh i've actually got a syringe up there as well. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will leave you to your deductions on that one, right? But this is just from one bookcase. Examining the basic framework of precisely what this one element would do. 
So you can start to think in that way. What are these other elements that would start to be revealing if you had a framework about them? And how can you work with them? And how can you work with that to give you some some information about the person? I'll give you another another demonstration with with video concerns. I've lost my cursor. Where is it? There it is. Um, so just to qualify, this is one of the videos I made from my stag do. Don't be scared because it's it is safe for work. But it was specifically so I could put it in virtual uh, in virtual reality form, so I could test people on their situational awareness that way. So let me show you when it wants to change. Come along. There we go. Perfect. I don't have my green screen up anymore, so I can't just comfortably blend into the background now. I just have to sit here, and you'll have to make do with the fact that you don't currently know what's behind me. So, this is a 3D video. Right, so, there's Adam. This guy here. There's my other dear friend, Tom. Tom was on the podcast a while back with me on a stage show. And another Hero School founder. This is Dan. Uh, you might know Dan from TikTok. He, uh, Dan Bales. He has like a, a 275, 280,000 strong following now at the minute. So statistically speaking, one of you will at least know that. Um, who that one is, I don't know. But there we go. So... Let's look at the context for this. We've got a framework. Oh, look at the glasses on it. Look at the glasses. I even had my Moriarty tie on and everything. Um, so if you look at the, the, the oh, if you look at the framework for this, four guys stag do. So there is four guys relaxing, four guys partying, four guys going out, friendly environment. So let's let's I don't know. I, I'm trying to be. I, can't, I I would struggle to be objective here. Uh, let's use Adam because Tom is currently probably behind everybody over here. So let's use Adam. So what's the context? What's the context for the framework we know about Adam in this particular situation? Right. What is the context for that? I have told you before on the podcast that Adam was my best man. So at the time this video was taken, he is my best man. So what's the function of a best man on a stag do? It's to lead the charge, right? It's to lead the charge. As is indicated by mobile phone. Looking at it in direction to where they're going. No obvious thumb movement there either. So there's no text. We can follow it for a moment. Oh, oh dear. That's my eager clicking. No obvious thumb movement, but he's looking down at the phone and looking up. Looking down at the phone and looking up to try and figure out where we were going. We were trying to figure out how to get to a jazz bar. Love, love jazz music. Particularly some, some great big dirty American swing music in this way. But then let's look at the context for the framework of what he's wearing. Reasonably tight jeans and a coat with 
two visible pockets. So whatever he's got on him at the moment, there can't be a lot of things, right? There can't be a lot of things. So from the objective viewpoint, there is no, uh, uh, there is no rambunctiousness in terms of being handcuffed to lampposts or uh, dick-shaped balloons or, you know, this kind of thing. So what's likely at the moment is uh, wallet, keys, hotel keys, phone, but the phone's visible. So that's not in his pocket at the moment. So the only other thing that could be likely is if he smoked. He doesn't, but that is a likely situation if you were just seeing him on the street. You would need to have further further confirmation for the type of framework that people could be carrying down the street with them on a night out you would need to interact with him to put into context these these signs about uh, uh, about smoking and the like right even so you can combine that with everyone else tom in front no phone out Dan, no phone out. Me, I have a phone out, but I'm filming. Well, I suppose technically I don't have my phone. Oh, Jesus. I do. I have my phone out, but it's down towards the side, so I'm not looking at it. I'm not focusing on anything. So objectively speaking, the one person leading the charge here is Adam, based on the framework of what we know from four guys walking down a high street. So if somebody's visually leading the charge, doing this, like Egon Spengler in the Ghostbusters, you can reasonably induce, look it up, Charles Sanders Purse, induce that degree of information that this these four people aren't from the area because they're trying to find their way around and this is how this type of framework starts to break down in this way well, yeah. <laughs> adam first to move forward further back up Right, and you see how this this framework starts to be able to gift you with that kind of information that you can use, with that kind of step-by-step uh, 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 -step analysis of a framework based on what you're interacting with. So you don't always have to be familiar with the environment. You just have to know what the environment is. And that is just the same for outside, as it is a high street, as it is a room with chairs, as it is a prison cell, as it is a therapist's office, as it is the storage facility of a supermarket warehouse, right? Each one will have their own individual actions of things that go on in there. Well, things that have to go on in there versus things that are expected to go on in there. And it's down to you to explore this kind of uh, uh, area to understand this kind of information. So you will never be in situations where you are caught with your pants down, unprepared for how best to tackle an environment. Right. Just something to think about moving forwards. So, yes, it is a short one uh, uh, today because it's just me. <laughs> because it's just me but if you've got any other comments questions insights things you want me to look at moving forwards any other uh, uh body language breakdowns things like this training elements whatever bang them in the comments 
Let me know what you're up to. Who's bought their t-shirts yet? Huh? Huh? I've got some more on way on the way myself. I've even uh, bought myself a, a lovely sock hat uh, as well. No, they're not called sock hats anymore, are they? Beanie hats, not the ones with the the, the kind of bits of foreskin that hang hang at the back. Just a, a, a beanie hat. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, guys. Hopefully, Adam will be back uh, for next week's show. Uh, but until that time, I'm going to love you and leave you. Au revoir. <laughs> Sorry. Bye!